The root cause of our despair as Christians, and there are many Christians who despair. They are true Christians. They've had a regenerate experience. They've been born of the Spirit. They are church members, most of them, and yet they live lives of quiet despair. Uh, even uh, problems of addiction, uh, um, uh, trauma, codependence, family problems, marital problems. Uh, and they don't understand what's happening. Well, I can tell you that at the root cause of our despair and our dysfunction is the lack of preaching of the gospel. We know that the word gospel means good news. And good news always comes when we need it. <laughs> we know it's good news because it's contrary to everything else that we're hearing. It's, it helps us uh, address the, the bad news that we live apart from it. <clears throat> and the despair and the darkness and the brokenness all around us that clings to us even, even though we are believers and followers of Jesus Christ. So Christians who are not being taught how or what the gospel is and how to live it out in your daily life are certainly going to default to what the very thing that they know how to do, and that is to continue to live in patterns of sin and despair that they inherited before uh, they were Christians from Adam and their old Adamic way of living, their old fallen way of life. And what stands in between the continuous habitual patterns of the old man and the adopting of a Christ-like character and going on to a, a, a life of righteousness, peace, and joy is teaching. It sounds so simple, and it almost sounds simplistic, but it's not. Let me just share with you just a few things here. Uh, first of all, beginning in Romans chapter 6, verse 15, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? Let me interject. The fact is, they didn't know that. They didn't understand that. That's something that has to be taught post-conversion. You hear the gospel, the gospel proclamation that God and his son has redeemed his people, that he has accomplished salvation, that which was only anticipated would occur at the eschatological day, uh, last day of human history, has been brought forth into the present by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now there's reconciliation available with the Father. We can come into a new status as, adopt, as adopted children of God, and we can know forgiveness of sins and a, and a new way of life. That's the gospel. So people hear that, they respond, and they are baptized, and they come up out of the waters of baptism, needing then to be taught. So no, it's a rhetorical question that Paul's asking, but the answer is no. They don't know that, so he's telling them. He's telling them. 
But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, or that form of doctrine that is now to which you've been delivered. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. What Paul is saying here clearly, beloved, is that apart from a pattern of teaching that equips and empowers us to begin to live as servants and slaves of righteousness, even the new convert in Christ, freshly out of the waters of baptism, will continue to do what they know to do habitually, even though that's not who they are anymore. Even though the gospel has set them free, Christ has set them free. But in order to stand firm in that freedom, they have to be taught to do so and to move on in a different direction, a new way of life. Because in the absence of that teaching, they will drop back to habitual patterns of what it was like to be a slave to sin. And so... Paul's saying here clearly that the intervening grace is teaching, a pattern of teaching that actually tells these Christians who they are now. Now that you're in Christ, now that you've come through baptism, now that you have the Spirit of God dwelling within you, this is who you are now. Now let me give you another example of that. This is just incredible stuff. If you begin to meditate on these things daily, it will change your life. <laughs> it will change you know, your uh, life uh, worldview and lifestyle. <clears throat> he says, verse 17, so I tell you this. Now, let me just interject. He just went through explaining that Christ gave the spiritual pastoral gifts to the church so that they would no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves blown here and there with every wind of teaching by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, they would, speaking the truth in love, they grow up in every respect into the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. And so he's saying that it, the Christ gave the spiritual gifts, pastoral gifts, to the church of apostle, evangelist, prophets, pastors, and teachers for this very purpose, so that we could grow up, so that we could mature. And so he says then in verse 17, therefore, or so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord. Now this is an imperative. This is a Christian imperative. And what we know about imperatives in the Bible is that they're always preceded by an indicative. In other words, because of what God has done and has done in you now, because of who you are in Christ, now live like this. Become who you already are. The pagan religions of the world tell you you have to become something different, largely upon your own resources, of hope and hope of having acceptance by the divine being. And many adopt that same mentality towards Christianity, thinking that it's some kind of a uh, a, uh, a works piety that you have to become different in your own resources than you are now, or even according to grace, that you are now in order to hope 
to find final justification before God. That is not Christianity. Paul is saying, no, no, no. God has done these things. He has accomplished these things in his son on your behalf. And he and because you are now by grace through faith alone and united with him, you now live like this. Do not live any longer, he says, as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, now here's the deal, here's here we come. That, however, is not the way of life, see, you learned. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now he begins verse 22 to say, you were taught. And the problem is today, most Christians have not been taught. But here in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, not to continue in it, not, not to continue habitually slaves of sin, and then stand up on Sunday and say, oh, I'm so glad that I'm a sinner saved by grace. Well, folks, you are sinners saved by grace, but it's a transforming grace. So you are much more than a sinner saved by grace. That was your previous status at conversion. But now you are an adopted child of God so that the Spirit of God dwells in you and you cry out, Abba, Father. Romans chapter 8. Okay, back to our text. That you are to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its evil desires, to be made new, to be made new. How many of you believe and understand that you can be made new in Christ? That you're not just to receive Jesus and hang on until you either die or he comes back. Get saved and behave, as the old Baptists used to say. No, no, we are made new in the attitude of your minds, he said. The way you think, see, the way we think now has to change. We are no longer merely sinners saved by grace. That's what we were at conversion. But now we have been united with the Son. We are in the Father's household. We have his character within us being worked out by the Spirit through the Word. And to put on the new self. Verse 24, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Two things. This text tells you that you can change. You don't have to stay stuck in your old uh, sinful patterns of behavior. Change is possible. In fact, change is imperative. It's a command. You just heard the command. <clears throat> okay. One more text. Colossians chapter 3. Very similar theme. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died. 
and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So your status has changed. You're no longer a a slave of sin. You're no longer a sinful, depraved worm. You, You are now a person who has been raised with Christ. You're you're set your hearts there, therefore, on things above where Christ is. You are now a child of God, it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Now you are a child of God. And while it has not yet appeared what we shall be, be fully realized, nonetheless, you are a child of God. And when we see him, we shall see him, we shall be like him, and we shall see him as he is. And because of this, That is the hope that purifies. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. See, this is holy violence. Put it to death. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. Let me interject. The life you once lived, not the life you live now, and then throw up the white flag and say, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No. Do not lie to each other, he says. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have been put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. The glorious good news of the gospel is that God has provided forgiveness of sins in the finished work of his Son, so that the image of God himself so distorted and twisted by sin, can be restored in you. So you not only have now fully reconciled fellowship with God the Father, but you are united to his Son, and now a member as a beloved child of God in his household. And his very Spirit himself has been sent to dwell within you as a pledge, as a seal of his image, so that you belong to him and a down payment, if you will, a down payment, a pledge that that will one day be fully realized. Change is possible. You don't have to stay stuck. The root cause of our despair is not the gospel falls short or there's some kind of flaw in the gospel. The problem is that the gospel is not being preached. It's not being taught. So pick up your own Bible. Don't wait. If your pastor is preaching these things that I'm saying to you today, give him a big hug for me, will you? (laughs) Tell him thank you for me. And be grateful for that person. Be grateful for that man. Support him. Love him. Care for him. Applaud him. Because he's a rare creature today in the day's church. 
Most, cre- most preachers are more concerned about entertaining you than seeing you transformed into the image of Christ. You're just a number. You're a giving unit, as Bill Hybels used to call him. A giving unit. A number on a page. A statistic. And they won't teach you anything. Listen, if, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for a big church where you're just going to get stroked every week, go down to Joel Osteen's church. But if you want to grow, if you want to become like Jesus, know that that is not an option, first of all. It is a command. It is an imperative. But know this, that God has empowered you by the work of his spirit within you according to the new covenant, in accord with the promises in the new covenant, to bring that very work to pass in you. And one day, it will be fully realized and you'll be just like Jesus forever. Now that is good news. That is such good news that we can see that the root of our despair is because we're not being taught that good news. So if you're in despair today, if you feel like you're enslaved to old patterns that you just can't get free of, then listen to this again. Read those texts I gave you. Read them once in the morning, once at night. Pray about it. Seek God's uh, grace and allow your, your mind, your, your thinking to be renewed. Start thinking differently about yourself. Become who you already are in Jesus Christ. Amen.